Welcome to Open Hands, a podcast exploring spirituality, mental health, and the space in between. I'm your host and fellow wanderer, Sarah Nickerson. This week, Devin Sandiford shares a story around his decision to leave his faith of origin in order to find his most authentic self. Thanks for joining us. So today on our podcast, we have Devin Sandiford, and he is going to be talking about his experiences growing up in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm so glad. So amazing. Yeah, I, um, I have a really long backstory. I grew up in this town called Loma Linda. It's in California. Mm-hmm. It's like a, about an hour outside of L.A., and in this town, there's mostly everybody uh, is Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Wow. It's the largest population of Seventh-day Adventist Christians Whoa. in the world, in a, like in a single town. Okay. And there's a high school there, an academy that's uh, Seventh-day Adventist Academy. That's where I went. And a university that's also has the same principles. Wow. So the hospital and the, the school are a big part of like life there. Like a lot of the parents are work at the hospital yeah. and then a lot of the kids go to the, go to the school. So, wow. and my, my mom worked at the hospital growing up and my dad was a teacher at the, at the high school. So, so super saturated in, yeah. in the community. All okay. aspects of my life, I would say growing up were connected back to Seventh-day Adventism. Okay. Um, and what are, you know, I don't know much about that specific denomination. denomination. Yeah. So what are some of, I guess, like the guiding principles of the religion? Yeah, of course, uh, still a belief in Jesus. Um, but one of the main differences is the belief that uh, the seventh day Sabbath, Saturday, is like the holy day. Okay. And from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown is like a period of rest. Um, okay. And depending on where you are, con- how conservative you are, it can be like you're not allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. Like you pretty much just take naps or like sit around and read the bible or pray like going outside and playing and doing sports was like no okay no tv some people would take it to like no can't get in the pool can't go out to eat wow and growing up that was kind of we kind of wavered on that like we started off like not eating out um but at some point it just became like you know eating out is normal and that's okay and doing things that you can take hikes and pools okay and then it's kind of just like shifted and went as time went on I don't know if my parents like intentionally had that or if that just kind of just came about by uh us growing older um but yeah even going into like going into college I went to a Seventh-day Adventist uh university yeah um which was like basically the an extension of my high school so like a lot of the kids from the high school went and I only applied just to that one school wow um, so it was a really big, would you say it was a big part of your own belief system at that point? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It was uh, all I knew, really. Yeah. And it wasn't anything where I was like, uh, I actually did believe it. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was being forced. Right. But yeah. it was all that I knew. So I don't know if I would have yeah, it was made a different me. choice if yeah. I was presented with more things. So. Right. And going from there, I eventually left that university. And went to a public university in California, one of the larger single campus universities. I think it's the largest single campus university okay. out in Long Beach. And I think it was probably like then when it was like kind of more exposure to the outside world and feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, 
I do pretty well with talking with people. So I didn't feel like I was like overwhelmed in that sense, but just from the sense of like uh, moving out away from this community um, felt new. Um, But I still had my same beliefs and just got a little bit more looser with things because I'm like now out in my own apartment. Right. Um, you know, some Saturdays go to church, some not, or depending on if I'm back home, I would go. Um, and it actually wasn't until I got married and moved out to Maryland. And after I had my first son and then my second, around the time where my second son was going to be born, I think I just started like reading more, mm-hmm. got really into the Brene Brown books yeah, and kind of caused me to like explore more about myself mm-hmm. and to question what I actually believed in yeah so I think pretty much at the time my uh, youngest son was born is when I decided that like I was going to step away from the church that I didn't believe in anymore okay and I had this period of I don't know um this period of almost where I was like upset with myself Mm. and that I tried to just like force myself to keep believing in the church. What do you think that was about? I think it was that so many people I knew were in the church yeah. and like all my friends and my family and my wife and to step out of the church felt like it was going to be like me by myself mm-hmm. and I didn't have the answers to like what would happen if I did that. Like right. if you don't believe in this, like what are you going to believe in? And and I think having had seen a few people step away from the church and the conversations that happen after they do that and, like, how much it became a thing of, like, oh, we have to pray for this person and, like, Mm. their soul is lost. And, like, it it felt like I was going to be now that person. Yes. Yeah, it's hard when you know both sides of, like, like you've been on the side of, like, watching people leave or, or, you know, wander from the faith and then being on the other side of that and knowing – like knowing the motivation or knowing how people are maybe responding to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I kind of sat with that for like, I want to say a year mm. where it was just like trying to force myself to stay. Like I can, I can just be some of the Adventists. I can just be a Christian. Like yeah. you can just decide and just do it. Right. But I didn't actually believe anymore. Um, and nobody knew at this point. And I finally got, around to sharing it not even with like my family or with my wife um but with my like really close friends from elementary school wow and it was just like a there's a group of five of us uh and I just felt like for them it was like I had done so many things with them that were like non-christian of sorts or like Mm -hmm. things that were like just worldly things that I knew that they would still accept me like it wouldn't be a thing right where they'd be like oh what and like now we're not friends. Like I knew that they would still treat me the same. Right. So that that it felt comfortable to tell them first. Yeah. And and sure enough, like all of them were like, like thanks for telling us. Yeah. But you know we're still the same friends and our relationship is still the same. So we're here to help you process it and feel good about yourself. But that's great. You don't have to think that we're any different now. So mm. I think that was really welcoming and comforting and like. It was good that I knew that that was going to be the case, so it didn't feel like I was being brave right. in that moment. Um, and then I eventually got around to talking about it with my wife, which was like probably the scariest thing. Yeah, because we at this point we had we still have, but we have two boys, so yeah, 
having a marriage and having people have different beliefs felt like it was going to be really hard. Like, how do we talk with the boys about what we believe? And that was probably one of the hardest things I've had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that that would be like the end of life, like from there it would be get kind of easier. Yeah. Um, But then I realized that I eventually would have to tell my parents and Mm -hmm. if I was going to be myself, but um, I kind of like was reserved to just like never telling them. Yeah. And just being fine with like, if I go back home, like I can just go to church. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. So act the part. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Act the part. And I think I did that for like three years. Mm. Um, But like it it felt bad to do that. And pretty much every book I read, every movie I watched, every conversation I had, it kind of was like the same message, resounding message of like, you have to be who you are. Mm. And Mm. I tried to run from that for a long time. And I, I actually was sitting in a theater in Manhattan and watching Moana with yeah. the boys and it was yeah. like a, a movie theater filled with kids and and like halfway not even halfway to the movie just like really cl- not even 20 minutes in I think there was a song about like her and her father yeah. and like being who she was and I'm over here like crying yeah. in the movie theater with kids and like <laughs> it just became really evident that like I had to tell him yeah. and that, that that was the right thing for me mm. and so I finally was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And this is like the day I, I stayed up late because my, my family lives in California. Yeah. And so like anytime you call, it's like they were three hours behind right. and they could still be at work. So I was like, I'm going to wait till it's like really late at night and I'll know he'll be free and he'll be done with everything. So I like got a little nice little comfortable perch in my living room in the corner of my couch and like pulled out my phone and I, I called him and the phone's like ringing and my heart's beating probably faster yeah. than it ever has before. And then I hear his voice, but it's his voicemail. Mm. And I'm like, Ugh. like all this ready. Like built up yeah. over the whole day. I was ready. Like I was going to do it. And it was his voicemail. And I'm like, I can't do it over the voicemail. Mm. So I like waited and sat there for 20 minutes and tried to like calm myself down. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'll do it again. I'll call again. And I like FaceTimed him this time. Just okay. try something else. No, no answer again. And then I was like, I'm not going to let this moment pass because I know if I do like I can just like continue to fake it yeah so I sent him a text message mm. and crafting the text message took me like an hour yeah um just to feel like I had the right words and like my dad's also an English teacher so I was like I want to make sure that this well, comes across yeah. right and there's nothing that's wrong and I it ended up being like a very like not a open text it just was very like formal like mm-hmm. I have something that's been on my heart that mm-hmm. I've been wanting to share with you mm-hmm. like please give me a call back as soon as you can yeah and I was like I sent it and I was just like okay like he's gonna call back for sure and like waiting for like an hour and still no response yeah. another hour passed and like now it's like you know time for me to probably be going to bed I have work in the morning but I was like I couldn't go to sleep and I'm like yeah. rereading the text message to myself to like analyze it and like break it down like what is he thinking in his head and at some point I called him again and and he didn't pick up still what were you feeling in this time a lot of anxiety it had kind of crossed my mind that like I had been telling quite a few people at this point so in my mind I like pictured 
like like a game of like whisper that mm-hmm. would like people were whispering like oh can you believe Devin this and can you believe Devin that yeah. and then like somehow he like had already heard mm-hmm. and that like his silence felt like it was like almost him telling me like I'm not ready to hear this or I'm not mm-hmm. accepting of like like judgmental yeah yeah which you know could have ha- could have been happening or couldn't have been happening but just in my mind it was like very definite that like this is what's happening mm. and this is the only reason that he wouldn't call back because any other scenario it's like if I call you once like maybe you don't pick up but right. now it's been like three calls a yeah. text message Keep a FaceTime and yeah. it's like most likely people would call back at this point yeah um and he he never called back the whole night wow and so the next so hard it was hard I think I went to bed that night at like 4 a.m yeah and I just I just like had to throw down my phone and be like wow like what I basically I think at the end of the night I was just like whatever like if that's what it's gonna be then I did it like I'm done like yeah um and I, I think I probably woke up in that same mindset which was like partly feeling like a victim mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like my you're the one that's not in the right space like I'm good like you messed up and kind of also childish that like wanting to like him come to me when I'm ready like um yeah that was really hard night yeah well it was like you know it's your parent and there's sort of this underlying feeling that our parents are supposed to love and accept us no matter what. Yeah. But with religion, it's hard because especially with, with, with Christianity and Christian denominations, there's like a really strong association with, um, right and wrong yeah, and like the good path and the bad path. And so, yeah, you know, it's not like I decided to quit my job and like, I hope you still support me. It's like, you're in a way rejecting, um, like a lifestyle in yeah. which you were raised. Yeah. And it felt completely like that. Like yeah. this decision was something that was rejecting them yeah. as parents, as people. Mm. And even friends would tell me and like people would tell me like, you know, it's your parents. They're going to love you regardless. You're like, well, And it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think you understand though, that like how much religion weighs into this. Like, yeah. It's not a thing of like it's actually for him this decision means that my soul is lost. Yes. Yeah. Like it's not like a thing where I'm like debating whether he's what he's thinking. Like right. if he believes this religion, yeah. I know he now would think that my soul is lost yeah. and like I'm on the wrong path. Yeah. So you can say that like parents will love you through whatever, but at the same time it's like what is love at that particular moment, I guess. Yeah. yeah. The love transforms from what it was to maybe a new type of love that you're not familiar with. Mm. Um, so I had like in the morning, I, I was like, oh, whatever, just, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to worry about this. Take yeah. the boys to school, sit down at my desk at home. I work from home and I'm like, I'm like, I did it. Like, that's all I can do is call him. And, and just in this moment where like, I'm feeling like a victim, he finally calls me back. And, the phone's ringing and this time I'm like not ready to pick up. So I, I, I let it go mm. and didn't pick up, um, which kind of felt kind of bad. But at the same time, like I knew that I was like in the wrong mental state. Yeah. It maybe wouldn't have been a helpful conversation. Yeah. And when I had originally called him, it was like 
the very first call was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm being brave and like, I'm gonna share a part of him with who I am. And like, by the time he called me, yeah. it was like, I like, used it all up. Like, I used it all up yeah. and like, forget this guy. Yeah. Like, who doesn't call back after that many calls right. and a text message? Like, I was like in the wrong mental space. So yeah. I went outside to like walk at a at the park that's like right across the street from us and clear my head and like get back to a place of like, the reason I was doing this was not to stick it to my dad. Yeah. But that just this is who I am. Well, and I know you had said that you were feeling for a long time, um, like you were not being your authentic self. And I was yeah. curious, you know, in the those three years when you had decided um, to walk away from the faith and and to live out your own your own truth. I was curious if if that pretending or that um, decision to be inauthentic at different parts how it neg- how it negatively affected you. I'm always curious about that. Yeah, I mean, it it put me in a shell. I would say that for sure. Um, and what was really hard is it felt like I was isolated mm. from even myself. Mm. And I think that was really hard to grapple with because I I didn't have anyone to turn to. Like I never yeah. had anybody who went through this and somebody who could talk to. And at the same time, I was not being kind to myself. So it felt like other than those four friends that I had, it felt like the entire world was against me. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. And And I think when it came to like doing the first call, it kind of came to like bravery, but yes, of wanting to like, get to a place where I felt safe again. Yeah. And um, accepted. Yeah. Like, or not even accepted, but like a more definitive, like, I, I felt like I was in a gray space before. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't know. And I wanted to just know. I wanted to hear like, like, I don't agree with your decision. Like, I felt like that would be better than where I was in those three years of like wandering. Yeah. And also like the self-betrayal is a, a big part of it because it's, it's like when somebody um, like is trying to fit in with a certain crowd. And so they like adopt the customs or yeah. the ideas or whatever, but then there's this huge space where you feel isolated because you're not connecting to yourself. Yeah, It's really hard um, to feel at home with ourselves when we are, are, are betraying ourselves in favor of other people. Like I often think of it as like, there's like this version of ourselves that we have put in like in a jail or like a cell and we just are like, we shove them over there and we're like, be quiet because if, yeah. if you speak or if you voice your opinion or if you make this decision, it means that you're going to be alone, but yeah. we're already alone if we're not able to, to be with ourselves authentically. And it sounds like that's what you were experiencing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So he called back. He called back. Um, but I didn't answer. Then I went to the park and was walking around. And then I finally got back to a place where it was like, I was doing it for the right reasons again, just to be like, this is who I am. And so I called him back and it was like a really nice day. So I was like really glad that it felt like bright and sunny outside. And yeah, I like held my hand against my chest to like try and calm myself and yeah remind myself as I was as the phone was ringing that like the reason I'm doing this was to like be myself 
and he picks up and he's like, Hey Dev. And I'm like, that just threw me off to have him like so casual and like also using a nickname. He calls me Dev. Him and my sister are the only people that call me that. And it threw me off a bit because it was like, you realize like the whole of last night I was waiting for you to call back. And this was like a, I said in the text, like it's a serious thing that's on my heart that I've been wanting to share. And his like, Hey Dev kind of threw me off again. Yeah. So I had to like, once again, like, recenter myself back to like you know why are you doing this and not like getting thrown off to think he doesn't he's not even in a place where he can accept this like he's mm-hmm. not present but him doing that made me not present also so I was like all right let me just shake this off and like do what I was here to do and I just I started talking and I was like you know for the last three years um I've been struggling with something but I made this decision and I know that it's right for me. And I just told him that I don't believe in Jesus or in the Bible anymore. Yeah. And I just left it at that. And it seemed like as soon as I said that it's for me, it felt like there was silence for like multitudes of seconds. Yeah. And I'm sure it wasn't, but there was this thought in my head that like provide I should provide like an explanation or like a justification or like mm. some hope for him that like, maybe it's just a phase that I'm going through. Yeah. You're trying to take care of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I almost said that, but then I had like listened to a podcast earlier that week that like really the per- the point was like to like acknowledge the power of silence mm. and to like not move from that just because it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. So I kind of just sat in that silence and like didn't justify this decision, didn't qualify it and was just like, this is what I believe and this is who I am. Mm. And like in that moment, it felt like I was myself Mm. and I had been like putting so much thought into like worrying about what he would say. But at that like exact moment when I just was silent, it was like I finally accepted myself for who I am. Yeah. So it felt like. Wow. It felt strangely like radiant yeah um yeah I mean like I'm like picturing it in my brain it's almost like um like as if your soul was isolated from your body and in that moment of of silence and space it was like you allowed your soul to rejoin your body like it was like a very welcoming like I'm not gonna reject you or I'm not gonna um make you smaller in favor of somebody else's opinion or belief or whatever. Like it was like a full acceptance, including the consequences of that. Right. Which is, you know. Yeah. Which felt like the most important thing that could have happened. Like if the phone cut off at that moment, like, like I didn't think, I thought I was thinking in the sense of like, what's my dad going to say? Right. But that moment really like made it clear that it's like, this was for me and like, I'm whole again, Mm -hmm. like you said, like, soul and body came together and I felt like very clear mm-hmm. in my presence and my being. Right. Which was interesting to feel because the night before I had called at night and it was dark and I was like in my living room and I was like shivering and nervous and like, and when the moment where I actually shared, I was like open and outside and it was bright and I felt like alive. So it was like, yeah, it was very powerful for me in that yeah. moment. Well, and that makes sense too, because if you think about it, like when you initially sent that text and you were waiting for his response, you were still really um, 
maybe caught in some of the fear yeah, of like what you would say. And it was almost like you were wrestling with this, like wanting to tell him, but also being afraid of showing up fully in yourself. And it's probably good that he didn't respond to the next day because it was, it was, it was like that night was like you wrestling and mm-hmm, yeah. being afraid of an outcome. And then like coming to a full acceptance of like, you know what? whatever he says is what he says and I'm still going to be okay with myself. Yeah. I never even thought about it that way that if he had answered yeah. the night before, maybe he would have said whatever, but yeah. maybe I wouldn't have accepted myself. Yeah. It might've been harder for you to sit with it. And it was like, yeah. you had to to work through all of that, like fear yeah. to get to the point the next morning where you're like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm completely fine yeah. now being me and yeah. this feels great. Like, wow. Um, and then he he spoke up and he didn't have a lot to say, um, which when I thought about it after that, like it kind of made sense that that would be the response. That was kind of how my family tends to handle things is like not maybe somewhat passive aggressively, but also like avoidance of like uncomfortableness. Yes. Yeah. But he did tell me that like he was glad that I shared it with him mm. and that... Um, he missed having those moments with his dad. His dad had passed away mm. um, three, probably around the same time, or a little bit before, actually, I had made the decision to step away from church. So for him, it was like very, uh, he was very happy at that. And he didn't, he didn't weigh in one way or another about like, I agree with you or I disagree with you, mm. which I think was hard for me. Yeah. But was also truthful yeah because like i know already what his beliefs are so like yeah if he had said like i love you anyways i think for me it would have been interpreted as like mm. that, like that's I not think you're wrong yeah like i, I don't you. Yeah. fully believe that to like the essence of like the love mm. um because i knew that that belief is something that's that's a big belief you know yeah. religion to have that with you and to, to hear these news from my dad was you know, a big moment for him also. So, uh, he talked, we talked about his dad for a little bit and both of us missing him and, um, and we kind of left it at that. He had to go to work and he was like, okay, like bye of sorts. So, (laughs) and as I like walked the rest of the park and was walking home, I was like, "Eh, I didn't really feel like it felt good for me. Yeah. But then like the next step felt like it wasn't as full Mm-hmm. So I just I I texted him again and just like wanted to like reiterate some of the things that I said about uh talking about not feeling like I could share it with him. Yeah. And like leaning in a little bit more about how hard it was for me to share it and not thinking that he would ever be able to accept this part of me. Yeah. And I, I think we text back and forth some things that felt decent. Um, but I think for the most part after that, I don't think we talked really about real things for like a year. Wow. Yeah. So, um, that was not tough though, actually. Mm. Uh, it felt like for the first time that like I was who I was and like the silence was confirmation of like, he has these real beliefs. Yeah. And that's who he is, and then right. I'm who I am. And, like, for this moment, who we are doesn't yeah. exist in one space. 
Yeah, and it's like fully. you you're both being authentic to to your belief system. Yeah. And so like your dad, you know, it sounds like he didn't he sort of managed himself in a way that was like trying to respect and honor where you were coming from while also respecting and honor his own space and then that natural. You know, that happens a lot um in general with, you know, especially when I'm working with clients and they maybe make a decision that goes against the ways of being that the family is used to, whether that's like choosing to go to therapy or choosing a different career path or um, maybe choosing not to engage in like certain toxic patterns of behavior. And what's interesting is that whenever a client or a person makes that decision for themselves, there's always a period of isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've prepped clients for that. So we say like when you're, when you start to decide to do things differently than the way you were raised, um, naturally there's going to be like a a break in the relationship because you both are learning how to re-relate to each other in a new space. And like that has to happen because otherwise it's like you're, you're both trying to juggle this like in between space without fully being able to be present in an authentic way. Yeah. That's, I mean, good to hear from a professional standpoint because I think as the person, it just feels like crap, <laughs> like a complete isolation. Yeah. Like this could be how our relationship is from here on out. Like, yeah. And we always uh, talk about it as like you're, it's like you're, um, like if you've ever broken a bone and then they have to like re-break it to mm-hmm. reset it. Yeah. And it's like, it's like this really painful thing where it's like, we have to do more damage, <laughs> but then once you do it, then you can heal. Or like, if you're like, if you have a wound and you have to like use the hydrogen peroxide to clean it out, like healing, it healing almost always involves pain and a, a break in the way that things were before. So. Yeah. That's a really good analogy to think about the breaks and the wounds. And yeah, I think that was absolutely the case. And like us getting back to any communication was like more painful from there than like, it wasn't like neutral. It was like, I had to be, really upfront and yeah. he had to like be upfront also like eventually he came around to like telling me that like he he, he said it like he's also like an English teacher and somewhat reserved I would say but like he said one sentence about like him having a um a tinge of fear in my revelation of faith mm. um which was exactly what I thought going into when I was telling him that this would be a fearful moment for him because mm-hmm. You know, for him, it's my soul is lost. Yeah. And that was, for me, a good thing for me to hear from him because, it, again, like, confirmed what I knew and was authentic. And from there, it allowed me to, like, say my truth even more. Like, mm. you know, we're we're so different, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be, like, separated. Like, we can mm. still have a relationship. It's just going to be different than the relationship we had when I was a kid growing right. up. Right. So... I think there's a a bit of healing that's been happening. Yeah. And we're not to a place where we're like, yeah, I share everything with my dad. Like, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But it feels more real now yeah. than ever before. Or than it was. over that period, I would say, yeah. Yeah. When, when did you have that conversation with him? That was probably two two years ago now. Okay. And since then, do you feel like... Um, like things have changed for you internally or externally or what has it been like for you over the past two years? Yeah. The last two years have been completely different than 
any other period of my life. Yeah. Um, growing up, I was very reserved and uh, I didn't tend to share things with anyone. And if I did, they were like very muted versions. And mm. and it's funny to meet people now because they meet me and I'm like telling stories on stage and like being open yeah. and like going out and starting workshops and being the leader. And for them, it's like, oh, Devin's like this really open, great, amazing and like they don't know the version that was me before. Yeah. So uh, it's really strange for me to look back and be like, I, there was no world where I pictured myself standing on a stage and sharing things and like mm-hmm. being on tears in front of other people. Like, yeah, I, I that wasn't me. So I've completely changed, and it's opened me up to accept myself mm-hmm. and to believe in myself too, mm-hmm. which is like really empowering to have this sense of like. I am myself now. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. And it kind of made it so like other people's words couldn't really impact me as much. Mm. Like I knew who I was or I knew who I am. Mm. And whether people like me or not, like I actually like myself for the first time. Yeah. (laughs) Which feels great. Yeah. Do you feel like um, storytelling sort of allowed you to have like a spiritual outlet in some sense is, you know, does that feel? Yeah. Um, it absolutely has given me this spiritual outlet yeah. and like a deeper connection with like, I still believe in God Yeah. and, um, I don't, it's not the same God that I believed in, but yeah. I originally f- started off just writing Yeah. and I was trying to write the story of me telling my dad about the religion stuff. And I've been writing it for like, I want to say like a year. Yeah. Just edits and edits and redrafts. And, yeah. And I, I wanted to make it perfect and to like craft it. And and I had sent it out some places and they were just like, no, mm. we don't want it. No. Mm. And then I had like some people, I hired some editors online to like look at it. And they're like, you know, you have to give the reader a reason why this story matters, mm. which hit me really hard. But uh through that whole process, I like decided I'm gonna just I'm gonna do a distraction piece. Yeah. And I I wrote a story like something that I thought was really small, being late to pick my son up from the bus for the first time. Yeah, I read that one. Yeah, it's good. And I wrote that on the bus, uh, on the sorry, on the train to his jujitsu and back. So yeah. Like in about an hour. Yeah. And did some light edits, sent it out, and it got accepted like pretty quickly. And then from there, like, uh, got picked up by the Washington Post. Yeah. And that was, like, kind of an indication to me that, like, again, a reminder that, like, the essay that I was writing about my dad was, like, the old version of me trying to perfect Mm. everything, only show the parts of myself that people will accept. Yes. And this essay was, like, the new version of me, which is just, like, open up, say whatever it is that you want to say in your own voice. Yeah. And that's, like, what people want to hear. They want to hear you as yourself. Like, nobody wants to hear the muted version of you. They can tell. Yeah. Even if they don't, they've never met you before. They can tell if you're not being authentic. Yeah, and that's kind of where storytelling led around to. Like, I can get on stage and like, there's no perfecting on stage. Like, mm. you're standing in front of a group of people, and they can look at you, and they can see you, yeah. and they can know when you're talking from your voice and when you're, you know, performing. And I didn't want to perform. I wanted to be myself, and that's kind of yeah. like my why I go on stage more than anything to like. I want to be even more just myself and be okay with like all of my 
flaws and yeah. like, and it feels good. I'm always interested, like when I meet with clients who have a really strong religious orientation, um, but there's almost like a sense of, like there's always like two different types. Like there's, there's clients who have a really strong religious orientation, but have yet to like authentically connect to themselves mm-hmm. within it. And then there's like people who have maybe a really strong religious orientation, but, but it feels so different. Like there's this one woman I know who is like, you know, very conservative, very Christian. Um, but she has come to, to peace with herself in a way that like when she speaks and she talks about her religious experiences and faith experiences, it never feels isolating. Mm. Like it never feels like when she's talking that there's this like division between me and her or like her and other people. And I really think it has something to do with just like, there's, there's, there's no experience of fear in her religious experience. Mm. And she has like a very strong acceptance and openness to other people's religious experiences. And so it's like the authenticity piece of like, this is what I believe um, and how I believe it. And those beliefs might differ from your own, you know, I don't know. There's like not a sense of like judgment around it. Yeah. And I always like think that's so interesting because it's like you meet so many people who are religious and, and who give off an air of like othering. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, and the only way that I can, I've really thought to describe it is like, I think people must get to a point where, I don't know, they just like, they burrow deeper into their self. Yeah. Um, and they like have an authentic connection to self, usually because of suffering. Like I almost always find it's like yeah. the people who are the most authentic are the ones who have like really made friends with their suffering and they like haven't um, like used religion to maybe mask it or, or to hide from it or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's interesting that, you know, we, that authenticity is something that um, can span across religions and yeah. it's like you don't encounter it very often that there is like a sense of of like i'm authentically sitting in my own self while also accepting yeah your authentic self but she right. did it in this really unique way especially within religion which yeah. which sounds bad to say but like i do feel like a lot of people who are in a religion tend to be very judgmental and like not as accepting yeah of people who have differing beliefs so yeah just in terms of like the person being different as a human. Yes. Like that also comes across yeah. as like a wall. Yeah. So, which is also why it's like funny to me, especially with the Christian faith, because, you know, if you look at who Jesus was, right. Like, I say that all the time. Like, like he came and he sat with the people who were different from him and the people, and not in an othering way. Like it wasn't like, a, oh, I'm here to like help you. Yeah. Right. It was like, I'm here in a spirit of love and acceptance as you are. And like, and also was able to, you know, like there's a phrase that they say, like all, all truth is God's truth. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, sitting with the people in a way that's like honoring and respecting of their inherent spirituality. Yeah. Um, Like I really don't like it when people are like secular, like secular versus spiritual. Like I don't think there's a secular, like it's like, you know, everything is spiritual. Like washing the dishes can be spiritual. Yeah. Um, taking a walk can, you know, can be spiritual, but 
it sounds like for you, you found a way to authentically like sit in what you believe in a way that is true to who you are and also in a way that allows other people to connect to you. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, the process of like becoming more of yourself. Yeah. Once it makes you, gives you this desire to like have other people. Yeah want to be themselves also so like it I feel like it naturally comes with like a openness to like when you're talking with someone to like give them space to be who they are and even to like want wanting them to create more of themselves when they're around you because you remember how you felt when you weren't as much of yourself and I kind of joke about it now a lot uh that I feel like more of a Christian afterwards (laughs) which I don't think my family likes because they're like no like belief in Jesus is the thing but it's like well now I actually have a lot of of the principles of Jesus as a natural belief yeah you know and not that I believe in the religion but like I would say a lot of the things I do are more in line with what he would was talking about than when I was in the church before like Mm. I was probably more of like a lukewarm Christian somebody who had the beliefs but didn't have the action so yeah, or, like, a lot of times I encounter people who, like, know it is they're supposed to be doing, but there's no felt sense behind it. So it's, like, I'm supposed to help the poor. But, like, if you're helping the poor from a place of othering, right. like, I'm supposed to do this, and that's yeah, not true. Yeah, I'm here for you. Yeah, like, that's not true help. Like, there's a humanity. I think that comes in all world religions. And then I think, you know, we assign different performances to it based on culture and like what's socially accepted behavior um but we say a lot in in therapy we're like you can only be as intimate with others as you are with yourself Mm. so if you're constantly alienating yourself not being true to yourself shaming yourself you can only go so far with other people yeah and there's like a space where yeah where we have to really um like you know there's a book, I think it's called The Seat of the Soul. But, like, you have to, like, really sit with yourself um, to be able to sit with other people. And that's not a hard, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And, you know, you went through a lot of turmoil of, like, sort of being one foot in, one foot out for three years. And yeah. then, like, making the decision. And then the other thing is, like, when people often make the decision, they think it's going to be, like, well, now, like, yeah. I feel free. And you do for, like, a minute. Right. And then you're like, oh crap! Like, is this was a start decision? That you have to do over and over again. It feels like yeah, it's crazy. You don't know like, you don't know the outcome necessarily. But I think that that's the essence of spirituality. Yeah, is that we don't know the outcome, but yeah. we trust the process and we trust that you know something is happening within us, even if externally things don't look great. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times in religion there can be sort of this like trite like responsiveness that's not honoring of the spiritual process absolutely the religion of sorts was too restrictive for my own spirituality too restrictive for me as a person so like yeah i couldn't be who i am spiritually or as a person yeah within the religion yeah and like why would you hold on to that packaging yeah when it's keeping you from this greaterness of spirituality and connection with god and and a greatness of yourself. Yeah. So that's, I never had the words to say that. So I, I just never was okay with telling other people that answer because yeah. I think that they would judge me. And, yeah. But I guess that's part of like, once again, like another le- level of accepting myself and like, this is my answer. Yeah. Well, and also I think like, 
for some people that is what works for them and, and, and the way that they orient themselves and that's helpful. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if, if I'm going to work really hard on not judging myself and my, my own spiritual journey, that means I also have to create room for other people right. and their experiences and where they're at on their journey. And so like, maybe there's something, you know, when I worked in residential and I'd have men who were recovering from addiction, there was something about the rules and the structure of religion that was very helpful for them. Yeah. Because it kind of, it contained them and it brought them a sense of almost like, um, of like organization to like the chaos that was their life before. Absolutely. And I think at every stage in our journey, different parts of that are helpful. Yeah. And so like, I would see men really attach themselves to the rigidity of the religion and it was really organizing for them. And then as they stabilized, they were able to go back and do some more of that deep spiritual work. Yeah. So it's just sort of like I accepting that for sure. Like we are where we're at when we're there. And there are certainly parts of my religion growing up that were really structuring for me and that were helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, you know, as I changed my relationship to it changed and that's okay. We're all just kind of like in our own space. Um, absolutely. But yeah, I'm so glad that you shared. That was really powerful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing a lot of, back with me. Yeah. I think a lot of people that can relate to that and, um, just, you know, the space that you've been in and do you feel like your relationship with your dad is starting to, to grow deeper roots or do you feel like that's still kind of, yeah, I feel like the roots are all that's happening now, which sometimes is hard to think about. Cause it's like, there's no, nothing above the ground, like yeah. nothing that other people can see or that yes. I can necessarily look at. But yeah, in terms of like mm-hmm. knowing when I speak to him and when he speaks to me that there's like, more realness and like just having those roots you know go deeper in and support what's what I'm imagining will come yeah down the road I think is uh gives me hope and also just like reassures me that like this is a relationship it's different than the one that I had before but Mm -hmm. it's it's okay Mm -hmm. it's okay to be in this 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 phase of the relationship like at the beginning of a, a relationship when you're building it, you, you build the foundation. You don't yeah. you don't start building the roof and like all the things that look pretty. So Yeah. Yeah. I remember this one woman in class, she said, um, there's there's no reconciliation or transformation without acknowledgement of pain. Mm-hmm. Like we can't um move forward unless we acknowledge like where we've been or where we've come from. Yeah. But that's like like you said, it's a slow process and it's like you're planting the roots down and eventually something will come from that. Yeah. It's a hard process to trust. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, good. Anything else that you would like to share? You want to shout out any of, you know, your work or your page or uh, Instagram? I, I have so much trouble with doing all the social media, but I feel like Instagram is the one that I'm the most consistent on. And it's just my name, Devin with an A and Sandiford, Devin Sandiford. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've been trying to do more on my website yeah. and writing a blog and trying to just be more and more open and be okay with being myself. So my website is at unreeling, like a movie reel okay. that you're like taking apart and yeah. unreeling, uh, dot com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Devin. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a privilege to listen to you and to learn with you. Uh, and I would encourage everybody to definitely check 
am out. You have, you know, I've sat in front of you for a bunch of stories, but I think you're doing something really brave and wonderful by being your authentic self. Thank you. Definitely learn from that. Thank you. I, I would say the same about you. Yeah. Thank thanks. you for having me on the show, though. Yes, thanks. All right. Open Hands is produced, hosted, and edited by Sarah Nickerson. Theme music is by Sleeping at Last. You can find Open Hands on Instagram at Open Hands Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and be well.